Well, hello, everybody. It's Nicolette. This is The Curious Creative on Riverside Radio. And it's such a pleasure to be here once again on this uh, sunny, mixed weather kind of Friday in London. (laughs) How are you all doing? And how have you been since the last time I was with you? And have you caught up with previous podcasts? Well, if you don't know, you can catch them at anchor.fm anytime and just check out the previous guests that I've had. And please do tell a creative or one or two or three or 10,000 so that they can also share the love and get informed emotional management for their own creative genius. Now, thank you everybody for being here and for listening because this is the local radio show that supports the creative in learning exactly who they are so they can successfully focus on what they do and in the studio today i have something very unique mm-hmm. milu stella is a half french half italian visual artist a workshop facilitator and a boater yeah i did say that and a boater based in East London. Three years ago, Milieu founded Moody Bright Designs, which she teaches, so where she teaches hand embroidery workshops with a focus on sustainability and well-being across London. Her many workshops and projects allow the attendee to use embroidery to slow down both mentally and physically, because you're in one space, plus tap into their creativity. And one particular project called Share a Stitch does this through chat and a personal sharing of words to add to tapestry. Very unique. Conceptually, I think maybe just imagine a hybrid between graffiti, memory quilts, and lockets attached to gates by young lovers. Millie's going to tell us all about why she shares this with others, but in the meantime, you should know that Moody Bright Designs began as an ethical response. And it's all about creating safe spaces where people can connect and explore the well-being potential of embroidery and art. So please welcome my creative guest today, Milia Stella. Hello and welcome, Milia. Hello. <laughs> How are you, honey? Good to have you. Thanks. I really want to get straight in and just find out. Now, tell us how this incomparable project came about. What's your story? My story started in Italy. Okay. Uh, really, when I realized that I really wanted to do art. Mm. And um, I felt that I couldn't quite do it in the way in which it was taught in Italy. So I moved to the UK and I applied to university in London. I went to this late school of art, which was really inspiring, but perhaps quite um, overwhelming as an experience because you get to learn loads of different ways of approaching art and what is art and should this be art and am I an artist? And it kind of gives a bit of a headache. (laughs) It's quite philosophical then. (laughs) Very philosophical, but it's also meant to be very hands-on. And then... As it happened, I came out of uni being a bit, feeling a bit confused mm. and there was loads of other things going on in my life that uh, perhaps made it a bit harder. And I did the typical thing that loads of people do. They, I kind of ran away from my own creativity a bit or I kept it very personal and secret and I really struggled to share that until I ended up having a job that I realized was going to go nowhere. And I had to accept that it wasn't who I was mm. and it wasn't... Um, a way for me to live in an authentic way. And it was even hard for me to think about living in an authentic way because it requires a lot of strength. Yes. But I did find that strength eventually. And that's how I founded Moody Bride Designs. 
And through that, I discovered how incredibly enriching it is to teach and to share skills, creative skills with people. And that with that, you also get to learn so much about people. And you learn what it is to make them feel happy that they have done something. Mm. And suddenly your creativity becomes very powerful. And through that, I was like, I want to develop projects that um, are more than just about me. Not because there's nothing, not because there's something wrong to do a project about you. But um, if you open a door and you let people in, then you can create a world that is like a ripple effect. And so that's how I got involved into creating slightly more community-oriented projects, um, which I'm now involved with. And uh, basically, Share a Stitch is one of them. Right. Previously, it was a rich mix called um, Moving Threads, the Magic Carpet. Um, and the structure of this journey for me is basically creating loads of events and opportunities to connect with people's stories and to gift them the opportunity to see how embroidery can really show you how much you can do with your hands and slowly. Wow. So what happens with the magic carpet? Is it a magic carpet? Well, the idea of this tapestry that I think for me now is is kind of like conceptually it's called the East London tapestry because East London has become my home. Mm. East London is a place that has so much rich um, energies um, and people with different stories um, that I was imagining that the, basically the magic carpet is not a carpet that takes you somewhere else, but being there on the carpet together is the journey that can take you anywhere mm, you want. Mm, mm. So there's this metaphor, because I'm very visual, so I always try to give people what the project can be in a visual way. Yeah. Um, if we all get on the carpet, if we all share something about our story through like creativity, we can go anywhere we want. Oh, wow. I'm on that metaphor, which is my carpet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, just so I understand, on this wonderful carpet, yes. there are people's stories embroidered within it. Well, what it is, is I want everybody to feel comfortable to share something about themselves or about their life that they would like to have um as constituting the tapestry. Right. Now, if you think about what tapestries are in history, usually they tell the stories of the winners or they tell the stories of countries, they tell the stories of um, battles, mm. you know, big, big events. Whilst in this case, I was really focusing on um, folklore and people. Right. And people have incredible stories. Every ordinary person has an incredible story. Sometimes we don't have to share everything about our story. Sometimes we just have to share what it means for us to be alive, mm. or which is a big thing <laughs> if you have that answer. <laughs> but it can also be... For someone who lost someone could be the name of someone they lost because through history and through time we always connect with stories that tell um, people about who we loved where we've been and uh, maybe who we lost as well so there's space for humor in the tapestry of course yeah. but when you think about what you want to celebrate about yourself it could be the friendship that long friendship with someone who saved you in situations that you thought you would never be able to come out of and you can just embroider that person's name it doesn't matter you know that everybody understands what that person's name is but we know that if it's there it has meaning and so it has to be there and for me this tapestry which is only at the beginning 
is really a way to tell the story of everybody who wants to take part and for it to be everybody's like energy in it yeah so was this at rich mix the venue yes okay yes i was there for a pilot Mm. um of three months and now i'm really happy that i'm going to be um i've just had another term confirmed at poplar union which is where everybody can come Mm -hmm. um and i am currently in the middle of applying for funding Mm -hmm. and i'd like to take it to as many places as possible because i really would like people to know that this tapestry is happening Mm -hmm. and that they're welcome and it's not about their skills it's about their presence about that experience of being in that moment all of us together Mm -hmm. like connecting with each other And in a way, it's a way also to, you know, burst social bubbles, which is what we live in, I think, quite easily nowadays, because whether it is through social media, whether it is because it's comfortable to just stay with what we're familiar with, I'd like to create a space instead where there can be like intergenerational um, connection and, you know, unlikely, maybe more unlikely meetings and... um, and I'm working also into to take it to um, mental health services, and uh, I'm going to be taking it in September to the New Hanbury Project, um, which is um, uh, an amazing organisation that um, offers creative workshops for people who are recovering from addiction. So you know, instead of telling the story of the winners, I wanted to be the story of those that might feel maybe voiceless or disempowered or not like addressed in any kind of way. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully also poets and artists and anyone because it's our tapestry. So why can't it be everything that we want it to be? And that was a question that I was, um, was coming up for me is, is there a particular audience for this type of thing? I think... I think I'm really looking at uh, creating a creative communities community. So it's n- it's an art that isn't for an audience. It's an art that is for participants. So okay. it means that it's not for people to come and look at. Sure, at some point we'll celebrate it because it will be finished and people will look at it. But it's so important instead to connect more with the process of making it. So uh, groups, local groups in East London, um, but you know, share a stitch is for anyone who knows about it who'd like to come. Yeah. So I want to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be East London. It's just based no, what in East London. To, yes. Yes. It's being based in 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 a neighbourhood that I feel is really rich, m- has welcomed me and mm. made me feel welcome there. And when I looked at the incredible history that East London has as a place where people come and go to do with immigration and perhaps even alienation and poverty and but but within that poverty incredible richness of cultures you know of like air survival energy then i'm like no we need to celebrate this now because like in other places in london so many areas are have communities that being pushed out and that's not celebrating the the communities that's like kind of kind of like engineering new communities to take over spaces that are the homes of stories of people who are connected to those places and so for this reason i feel that um this london tapestry should like be a celebration of that huge richness great now where are these end products going to be displayed where 
So I think they're going to be displayed uh, hopefully at Rich Mix because when I proposed this project to begin with, it was agreed that uh, when the tapestry is ready, we will have a celebration where anyone who's taken part will be invited. Wow. And so that is such an exciting thing to think about. Um, on top of that, I got a real kind of push into creating this tapestry because... Well, I was looking at loads of tapestries to begin with, and um, I was reading a book called Thread of Life, um, and it talks about this very famous tapestry called the Bayou Tapestry, which is um, a tapestry that narrates the um, s the story of the Battle of Hastings. So again, as we said, about like a, a tapestry that tells the story of the winners. But it was made by loads of uh, by women, more likely, and nuns, so to s actually, and. Um, and th we don't know much about them because mm. they 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 are the one who made it, but they're not celebrated in history. Those who are in the tapestry are, but there is this disconnection between the maker and the subject of the tapestry. Right. And then I was thinking about another big tapestry, which is the Walthamstow tap <laughs> tapestry, <laughs> which is a tapestry that um, Grayson Perry uh, made about ten years ago now, and. Um, I was really kind of, I had a very strange relationship to it because on one side I thought it was very witty but on the other side I also thought it, there was a lot of cynicism and, sar and almost sarcasm happening and even if it, it is a commentary on society I was like it's made by a computer but I suppose you I have this relationship also between technology and um, craft where I understand that there's times when it's good to show and experience and try what technology has to offer as a way to experiment with art. And there's other times when instead human relationships and connections are what we need to go back to, to some extent. And I feel for the East London Tapestry, mm. I really want to be about people and connections and personal stories and as a sign of hope, you know. Yeah, definitely. Now, what are the benefits for people who take part? Well, there's loads of them. Some of them seems really obvious when you talk about them, but you only know truly when you start trying to, like when you start embroidering. Um, loads of studies are really showing a strong connection between textile and textile practices and um, support towards anxiety and depression. And um, in those um in the framework of scientific research, you can also um, learn about how it can be used to help people go through grief and um, overcome trauma. Um, so to come and experience a small part of it, even if you don't necessarily have to struggle with any of these things, could be a great way to access a part of you that um, connects with um, a personal truth and that truth can give you peace or can help you refocus yourself on what is for you to be creative. No, definitely. Um, I'm, we're going to go for a little break now. When we come back, um, I'd love for you to share with us London, <laughs> lots and lots of movement and activity, creating yeah. lots of anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. How can what you're doing support that? Mm -hmm. And actually, how does it support mm -hmm. it? So uh, don't go anywhere, listeners. <laughs> this is Riverside. This is Riverside. 
Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Nicolette on The Curious Creative and it's good to be back. So, Emilio, hello again. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we are back together. We ended the first part of the show with me asking you about, okay, so what are the benefits for Londoners here? Would you shed some light on that, please? Yes. So... Well, for Londoners and for anyone else's. Sure, I was okay. Maybe I should rephrase it. What are the, the benefits, benefits for city dwellers? Yes. Well, as we all know, city dwellers have a very stressful uh, type of life because yeah. I suppose, as many people have commented upon this, um, it's not a very natural rhythm. Um, there's so many natural rhythm that sh we should be able to follow which are way slower than the type of frenetic life that we lead here mm. um, that we really do not manage to tap into and embroidery for that reason can be quite um, an important activity that allows you to reconnect with uh, your peaceful self so you can do it on a commute if you wanted to once oh. you have started because mm. like it does not require um, too much uh, equipment to be, do it, to be doing it on the go. It's an activity that you can also use um, to live more sustainably and by that I mean that by paying attention to how long it takes to stitch something together you can start really seeing the value of um, well, of the creative process and the finished object. Because if you use it for, say, mending your clothes or to create a beautiful gift for someone, the value f is increased. And the idea is discovering value not because of how much money we have spent, but of how much time mm. we have given to it. Mm. And so this is something as well that you can rediscover um, and you can become more connected uh, with if you uh, start doing embroidery. But it's, it's, it's so much more. There's a community of embroiderers which are lovely people. Um, and for example, we meet at something called the Embroidery Loop. <laughs> and it happens at the Create Place once a month. And there's people from all ages and all backgrounds. And all we do is we sit and we continue on a creative project that we have ongoing. So if you imagine again how London can be this place that requires for you to spend money or travel far. In this case, it's, it's in East London because that's where I do most things. Mm. But um, it's just three hours of bliss where you can meet new people and perhaps engage in conversations that you wouldn't have engaged in otherwise um, so peace and quiet mm. and then you can even feel that the world of embroidery can be a bit like a cocoon because when you embroider you can create a bubble around you a very safe bubble where there's just you and your thoughts can slow down because when you get yourself involved in a simple repetitive task mm -hmm. you can really um, tap into a part of you that um, can heal you and is healing as uh, nature yeah so um, positive psychology core part mm. of that process flow mm -hmm. where you literally lose track of mm -hmm. time and track of everything yeah. until you come out yeah and and you can start from very little you know it, it's not like um, 
um, I don't know, realistic painting where so much skill needs to be put into. Mm. With embroidery, stitches can be very little and they can be very abstract. And mending something can also be a very small task. So you don't have that huge fear that you might have sometimes when you try to be creative, but you think, oh no, I'm too upset or too unwell to be creative today. Well, I think needle and thread show you a creativity that is very kind to you. Yeah. Are these settings for people who actually know how to do it? Or are you teaching people in any way? Actually, I always help in all of my community projects. Um, I'm always there to help people if they've never uh, held a a needle in their hand. Mm. So I'm there to help them. Uh, But I also teach uh, a variety of classes. Um, So, for example, I teach um, an embroidery for well-being class all through the summer at the Create Place in Bethnal Green. And that's only eight pounds. We do one stitch and we focus on mindfulness exercises at the beginning. And then we just work on a very, very small project. And that is because the focus is not on the project. The focus is on the experience of a peaceful, relaxing environment. Um, And the cost of the class is uh, affordable because it really matters to me to make it as affordable as possible. And I really am working towards being able to give these classes for free, you know, because I still think that if you don't have money, eight pounds is still a lot of money. Of course. And so little by little, I'm going to make sure I can do as many things for the community for free as possible. Yeah, <laughs> and that would take funding, wouldn't yes, it? Yes, yes, I'm going through that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of funding. Measure the yeah. impact. <laughs> Objectives. Objectives, <laughs> outcomes. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Lovely. Um, all right, so um, I'm getting an idea of this mental and emotional well-being support that you're able to offer not directly but indirectly yes within this space yes and well would you share us your story as in yeah. that there must be something within all of that that, mm. ha- that you've benefited yourself to appreciate how important this is yes um i mean if i go really um back in my past I know that uh, me finding a creative space as a child was a way for me to save myself and keep myself protected from things that either couldn't fully understand or that felt painful Um, in my family there's been like a a long-standing history of various mental health problems, some of which I don't think were actually diagnosed properly. Um, And if you're growing up in an environment where, you know, your closest reality is one of um, inherited pain and unexplainable, because you're little, um, ways of living, you can succumb to it or you can hide in a safe place of yours and imaginations are such powerful things for this reason and that's also why I care so much to do things that put art and well-being together because your imagination can save you and it's a tool it's a tool for you to discover transformation and I believe in it because it worked for me 
And so I will never believe someone tells me at any point, if it ever happens, that our imagination is pointless <laughs> because it's not true. And so as I developed my own um, creative power, at first it was just helping me. But then I suppose what happened was I feel like you go through different stages of your creativity. First, it helps you being alive and understand things and question things. And then you get to a point where you start trusting your gut and that gut can take you somewhere. And when you start trusting your gut for real, then there's an extra step that you go towards. You realize you've got a lot to give Mm -hmm. because if your gut told you that what you feel and want is right and helps others, then you, by nature, I think, start thinking, well, then what can I do to help others? And that enriches your life even more. So in my journey, um, I ended up also struggling a lot with uh, mental health um, problems, but deep down, my creative energy always told me that I wanted to heal. And when you go through the journey of healing it can take many years but I came out of it and I feel that if I hadn't had my creativity what would have happened I don't know what would have happened (laughs) 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 but um, it's very healing it's very healing and um, I started from being um, very introverted and very uh, pessimistic and depressed and self-harming and you know things that are very common loads of people are going through this right now it's just that not many people are talking about it although more people are now it's yeah. really exciting mm. because if we talk about it if we engage with each other if we share stories we can heal ourselves and we become responsible for other people's pain and when we do that the pain becomes something that makes us stronger Mm. rather than something that um, keeps us away from our potential. So I had therapy and it was really empowering and incredible and it really made me so passionate about therapy and I see so many people in pain who really would be so much happier if they tried, at least tried to go through therapy or find something that would um, help them connect with their pain sure what type of therapy did you have so it was quite little when I had it it was like um, between the age of 16 and the age of 23 or so and I've always connected with Jungian um, therapy now my therapist I remember asking her as a 17 year old are you a Jungian therapist (laughs) I don't know many therapists I know there's Freudians and I know there's Jungians are you one of them and she said no but um, she asked me why I was so interested in it and that is because Jungian therapy is very much narrative archetypal oriented and I think archetypes are very empowering images and they are the roots of all stories and therefore um, I connect with that type of uh, approach and in actually for this there's a book I want to recommend I love it please do um, it's called Women Who Run With The Wolves I cannot remember the writer but the, fi- the book is really famous and um, it talks about how to tap w- into the wild woman the archetype of the wild woman so it's very feminist but beautiful stories that borrow from mythology that belongs to South America and um, yeah like 
ancient, ancient powerful stories mm -hmm. of myths to do with um, personal growth. Beautiful. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. great. Um, so thank you for sharing. Women who run, run with, with the, the wolves. wolves. Okay. Yes. Um, so one of the things that was sparked when you first started telling us way nearly an hour ago yeah. about <laughs> your story was that you were really uh, inspired by creativity uh, with your art form. Mm -hmm. And the question that came up for me was what was it that sparked you? You know, what mm. was that first seed? Yeah, well, it was, um, it was books and music. Those were the two things. I don't, my closest family is not particularly artistic. In fact, I think that's probably why they had so many problems in many ways. And when I struggled to find a, an outlet for my thoughts and my questions, I searched for answers in books and music. And um, I, this is something actually we recommend to loads of people all the time. Um, I used to be, like when I was 14, I had a bit of pocket money and I would go to the bookshop. And you know, what do you know when you're 14? You didn't know much. So all I did was look at titles that attracted me yeah. or covers that attracted me and uh, read the blurbs. And I would spend hours in a bookshop just like trying to take in quite overwhelming information at times, <laughs> including strange philosophical books <laughs> that I couldn't even understand the sentences of. <laughs> but it was reading, like I first picked up very unusual philosophical books and then I read them and they talked a lot about creative energy. So that made me feel like I had creative energy. Mm. And then there was music that tapped into something really visceral. And then I was like, oh, music is also this thing that can save you. And so I kind of lived in an alternative world <laughs> of my own that was very much based on the books that I randomly found in mm. bookshops um, until I started recognizing certain patterns. But I still enjoy when I feel that my mind is really busy and um, maybe kind of like with an energy that goes up and down and I don't know what to do with it. I like to take myself into a place so that the energy can come out and I believe that you can connect, well, your energy or your subconscious can tell you what you need and what you want because of what you pick up in a bookshop or in a library of or course, of in course. an art gallery. Yeah, it's the energy, isn't it? Yeah. And the words that you resonate with yeah. and your memories and all sorts of different yeah, and things. You, and you get what you need. Yes, yeah. exactly. But it's that faith. You need to have that faith that you need to give yourself that time to... Yeah. See what happens. And I think that comes from trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've got someone listening who not really getting what you're talking about. <laughs> and um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, embroidery this, embroidery that. Yeah. What would you say to them to encourage them to just try? I would tell them that um, one of the biggest gifts people can give themselves is to try something for two minutes even if they don't know why they want to do it or why they don't want to do it you know do something for no reason because there's a reason you don't know it but there is a reason <laughs> so sometimes play a game or or just just go and feel something you know mm. feel you know sometimes there's sculptures that you're not meant to touch but you look at them and you want to touch them <laughs> it's just like and and that is like a strange experience but it could be like let yourself let yourself do something that maybe you have a voice that tells you oh but what's the point that's when you have to go and do it 
Okay. So come and do that. Yes, I can do that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll find out more about where you can do that with yeah. Milieu a little bit later. But uh, you facilitate something called the Fallout. Yes, the Fallout Club. Club, yes. that's it. So, so the tell Fallout, us more. So the Fallout Club is a charity that we are still in the middle of. Uh, it exists, but it's always like there's always a bureaucratic side of things that as an artist, it's so frustrating. Mm. But hey, that's life for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be uh, a charity that will offer artist-led uh, workshops for uh, low-income families and single parents um, with integrated childcare. And it's uh, my friend Ray who came up with the idea. She's a single mum, and so was my mum. <laughs> and I think um, when you know from being the daughter of a single mum and talking to single parents, you know how hard it is to nurture yourself Mm. um, and also nurture your children in a situation like that. You know that often through statistic researches, Mm. I don't have the data on, but you know that the majority of of women who are struggling in poverty are single parents. They can't afford a house. Can they afford an artist-led workshop that costs over a hundred pounds? Probably not. And if they can, can they afford childcare? Mm. You know, these are two very important things. And if you want to bring uh, like uh, beautiful creatures <laughs> in the world who are resilient and confident and artistic mm. and lo- loving, parents have a strong role in doing that. But if the parent is, you know, has no energy to, has no creative input or way to nurture their own intellectual capabilities mm. and their own sense of purpose then a huge thing a huge problem is there and mm-hmm. so it is really important that we also address like single parents Lunkin families and give them art and creativity yeah is that funded where we're getting the funding oh brilliant I am doing brilliant. I'm currently going through 100% funding life <laughs> yeah well I think it's going to be meditation to survive <laughs> <laughs> the underpinning yes. <laughs> your mantras yes, yes. Um, tell us about your boating so boating um, came into my life about now four years ago mm. and um, it was a life-changing experience I want to make sure that everybody knows that boating isn't for everybody someone's <laughs> paradise is someone else's hell yeah so you know it's a different life and um, but for me, it was a, a real way to um, live my dream. And that is, I could quit my job, which was a very underpaid copywriting job in a windowless office. <laughs> okay. And I was like, do I deserve this or do I deserve better? Mm. <laughs> Am I choosing this? Maybe I'm choosing this. I need to change it. <laughs> quit my job and start my own business. But then London is a place where it's so hard for dreams to flourish because if you don't have a background that allows you to take risks, most people are stuck in a way that they can't. Very well put. And, um, and so the boat was a way for my partner and I, who's a musician, to live our dream and nurture our dream and when you start nurturing your dream you you become more generous and you become more aware of what you can give and then you really kind of start thinking i need to give everything i can i need to reach out and i need to make sure that other people can get a little bit of what i have yeah and you also attract more as well 
Yeah, as a boater. (laughs) 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 Not specifically as a track boater. Um, I was thinking more about when you're living in your authenticity. Yes, it's true. Your energy levels change. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) because boaters are smelly. (laughs) No, is that what it's it's like living on a boat? So um, you really start thinking about what is necessary. What is what I need? What is what we need to have a good life and you start thinking about all all the things that you waste that you don't want to waste you only have so much water so you use water differently and Mm. you understand the value of water um you live in a tight in a tight community but the community is very varied it's not that because i'm a boater then all of all of us boaters we absolutely get on and love each other (laughs) quite the opposite (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of interesting funny uh, petty conflicts that mm. are always ongoing, but that's also uh, like a, an interesting window onto our different personalities and backgrounds. So it is quite endearing yeah. to some extent, mm. and it's beautiful to be part of a community that is quite small. Um, and then there's the fact that I travel around, and I love that. I love the fact that we can uh, go across most of London and possibly leave London if you want to, and that we're close to nature as much as you can be in London and that also makes you feel rich you know yeah could you actually steer what do you call it steer drive it, run the tiller yes a boat yes I can, I, can, I can steer the tiller okay well, <laughs> could you before could I before no neither so my partner nor I could. okay so this was a complete learning thing yes so how did you learn well, my partner learned first because <laughs> I had a bit of anxiety towards it to begin with. Yeah. And then all you have to remember is that when you move the tiller, you will go in the opposite direction. Okay. Which is like... <laughs> you have to remember. Yes, you have yes, to yes. remember. You really have to, be, you <laughs> really have to be connected with the fact that you might panic about something, but you need to steer in the opposite direction mm. if you want to avoid collision. <laughs> Which actually is quite different to life. Yes. Yes. So that may be why it's such a conflict? Well, some people say, though, that going straight to where you need to be is not the right journey, that the better journey is actually doing through lateral thinking. Well, yes, but you don't go straight to it, but you keep your eye on it. And where you go from where you are now to the end space yeah. doesn't matter how you get yeah, there yeah. you just don't lose the focus yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So, yeah so i think we're both saying the same thing we are <laughs> um all right so milio i would love you to tell my listeners how on earth can they get to these amazingly unique projects that you're doing w- uh website details i think would be the best point of call yeah. wouldn't it and they yeah. can find everything there am yes, i right they can okay so um www.moodybrightdesigns.co.uk <laughs> Oh you forgot the http uh, no, I'm, oh, joking. I'm joking HTTP. I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> There's too many. I don't know the name of that strange bar to the right. What's that? Forward slash? Uh, maybe it's a slash. Yeah, for, forward <laughs> slash, for, maybe. Forward slash. Forward slash, forward slash. Yeah, that yeah. one. Um, but just one workshop that I'd like to talk about for anyone who would love to learn a lot of embroidery and get started. <laughs> Overwhelmed <today>. all <laughs> in. No, just like a full day, though. A full day wow. of embroidery. So in the morning, we like work on a sampler and do loads of different stitches. So you can really have the basics of embroidery for you within four hours. And then in the afternoon, we delve into upcycling, which is something that it's really close to my heart making sure that everybody engage with um, recycling and add value to their textile possessions Mm -hmm. because we are doing a big mess 
by constantly throwing away our garments and why don't we tell stories through our garments too like we used to well if you if you believe in this I teach at Fabrications which is an amazing amazing um, ethical studio on Broadway Market and um, where is that? Broadway Market is East London okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got a class on the 18th of August so please book if you want to learn and then I also do Share a Stitch, which is like a donation based, only five pounds. Next one is on the 14th of August. Great. And more things on my we website, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to overwhelm th you with th th There are lots of things on the website. Yes. So I really do encourage you to take a look. And also, you've got a shop there as well. Yes, I've got a little shop. I'm currently restocking it because mm. um, I've been focusing so much on my community um, art practice that. I suppose I didn't spend much time making little ni nickel nickels. Yeah, it's one thing at a time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <try>. <laughs> be, be kind to yourself. <laughs> um, so how can people contact you on social media? Yes, yeah, so I am also Moody Bright Designs on Instagram. Uh, I love hearing from you. I love comments. Please get in contact. And um, you, I can't wait to have you on my Share Stitch project. I really, really, really like live for it almost <laughs> well let's see if we can really support Milou's desire to live for what she does yeah yeah um if you can get down to any of her projects go to her website moody bright designs dot co.uk yes okay get down to there so that is it for another friday we are done <laughs> it's a wrap and thank you so much for listening everybody as per usual it is an absolute pleasure always is and thank you Minu, for sharing your creative life with us thank you there would be no show without you Aww. so you compliment <laughs> it well um i wish you all dear creatives a wonderful week ahead and I invite you to connect with me on social media at Embodied Entrepreneur. And if you do the Twitter thing, it's at Embodied Entre. And just to remind you, there are a few tickets left for my pause, which is the name of it. And it does what it says on the tin. Pause workshop on Sunday the 18th of August between 12 and 3. So if you'd like to come to that, you're creative. And even if you're not a creative and just want some time out, you are so welcome. So go to my website, embodiedentrepreneur.co.uk and please do sign up there and buy your ticket. Okay. So share the podcast, anchor.fm. Tell a friend, one, two, three, or 10,000 friends, fellow creatives, and let other people know about what I'm doing. I'd really appreciate it. And I'm so honored to have been here today. Thank you, Milia, once again. And until next week, everybody, keep creating.